very welcome along. It's the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on uh, so far a sunny morning. Pori, good morning. Good morning, dear. Good morning, listeners. It's well, an absolutely beautiful morning out is. there, isn't it? It is. I know. Touch of frost last Touch night. Touch of frost. But... Actually, yeah, there was a, a small bit. Actually, yeah. I did take a photograph. Um, I probably should put it up. <laughs> so I was, uh, don't mean to start with a story about my mother, but I'm going to start with a story about my mother. So I was out for a bit of dinner uh, yesterday evening and when I was leaving the house, um, there was mention of, oh, it's going to be cold tonight and the bedding plants have a gone in. A wise woman, a wise woman. The bedding woman. plants have gone in and I came out and I looked down and obviously um, some very old wardrobes had been raided because there were literally uh, fl- human fleeces, <laughs> as what? in old fleeces belonging to me, covering the plants. The plants. Yeah, wow. So I took a few photographs. That's a clever lady, clever woman. So she was, that they weren't going to suffer as a result. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Because that morning. frost is, is certainly damaging on... on um, Annual plants yeah. on things like French marigolds yeah. and busy and begonias. So people need to watch that. And we, we can be caught, you know, with frost right up to um, June. So any kind of tender plants certainly need the fleeces. Well, the, this was uh, or, some, or old, something. some old fleece belonging yeah. to me. I recognise it. I said, where did that come out of? Yeah. Anyway. And particularly a day like today, even tonight mm. now, we'd probably experience frost again tonight. So people should keep an eye out for certainly tender plants. Now, with a bit of frost, it helps to dry up the ground and, and certainly it makes the planting conditions for most trees and shrubs and vegetable plants, they're all perfectly fine. You could put them into the soil, no problem. But it's those little tender <clears throat> annuals like French marigolds or tomato plants or cucumber plants that you do need to protect. And even within a greenhouse, you do need to put the fleece around them or a bit of um, a bit of heat on or something just to keep the frost off sure, them because yeah. it can be damaging. So there you go. So we're going to talk about hanging baskets today. Well, last we, we, last weekend, you, you had the I did in in Turlock. We had a great turnout. I I um, completed a, a hanging basket demo, uh, and if you remember, I asked listeners to bring in their baskets, and and we selected a number from the group, and and all sorts of <laughs> baskets were presented for for planting. Mm. Um, but that went really well, and really, I'm going to repeat that again today in our centre in Galway in Ordmore. So I'll be there on duty from 2 o'clock, 2, 3 and 4. I'm going to do, do a demonstration on planting up hanging baskets and window boxes and containers with a view to summer colour. And it wasn't just colour we used. I actually used some herbs and we used some strawberry plants and some, um, I actually created, we planted up a uh, edible window box last uh, Saturday in Turlock. So I got a a large window box and planted up with lots of things like strawberries, herbs, um, cut and come lettuce, a lot of salad crops as well. And uh, so we had great fun just chatting about that with the people that, that turned up. Um, so I'm going to repeat the same thing again this today from t- at 2, 3 mm-hmm. and 4 o'clock okay. in the garden centre, in our garden centre, Hawkins in Ordmore in Galway. So I would ask people in the area, if you have a hanging basket that you'd like me to do up, I, I generally pick two or three from the audience and plant them up for them and they take them away free of charge. So if people want to bring along their containers, I'll happily plant up a number, not all, I'll plant up a okay. number of, so of baskets. Random selection. Yeah, random selection. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like to pick some of the unusual style baskets okay. and have a bit of fun so with them. a bit them. of creativity, folks. Yeah, so if people around the Galway area today from 2, 3 or 4 o'clock and on the hour, I'll be uh, recreating a, a demo and please bring in your containers. I'll pick one or two. It can be a window box, it can be a hanging basket, a container and I'll plant it up with some colour and some edible plants and uh, something for the kids as well. Um, something different and unusual. And I'll give you some hints and tips on how to plant the baskets up successfully, how to trim the plants back to encourage a lot more 
um, new growth and, and additional flowers. And also there's some seeds that you can actually add to your hanging baskets as well, as well as the plants, just to extend the, the colour. So if people are in the Galway area, drop in. Hawkins from 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock. I'll be there. And, and if people have general questions as well, I'm happy to take them. So that's happening today. Great. Something that's also happening uh, today and tomorrow in our Turlock Centre. No, sorry, it's next weekend in, in our Turlock Centre on um, Saturday the 19th and Sunday the 20th. In the Pet Centre, we have our NCT. And this is where we invite uh, listeners to bring in their dog or cat and we have vets, we have groomers, we have uh, nutritional experts and training advice people to give them their dog a free NCT. Okay. So basically, it's it people bring. We do run it every year. It's very very popular. Um, so people can bring in their in their their dog or their cat, and the vet and the groomer will. I suppose, review and do a small NCT and give people free advice in terms of what they should be doing with their dog. Now, you do need to book for that. So if people okay. want to ring the garden centre today, uh, 094-90-314-35, it's to book a place for next Saturday or Sunday. That's the 19th and 20th of May. And um, the team are on hand there and they'll take your calls. And But people do need to, to ring and book. And, and the places are free. It's a free event. Okay. But there is, a, but they are limited at the same time. Oh, they are limited. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's only so many, so many so we many can handle things, during yeah. the day. Yeah, but that's an event in Pet World in the Garden Centre next Saturday and Sunday. During the week, yes. I got myself a nice present. I've been asked, particularly this spring, um, about robotic mowers, lawn mowers. And you'll see quite a lot of ads on TV for the Husqvarna range. Uh, but in particular, um, a good few people, a good few customers in particular, were asking about these robotic mowers and what did I think? Okay. What was my opinion and I have on them? To say I'm interested in myself because I have seen them and I was wondering how effective are they? Well, I'm a, I am a man for standing behind the mower. I really enjoy cutting the grass. Right. Therapeutic. Right? So, you know, I resisted. So I said, right, why not? I got one during the week anyway, on Wednesday or Thursday. Right. Um, so it's it's working away in the garden at the moment. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll actually give you an update over the next couple of weeks okay. of my so, opinion. So how big a space for a board, I guess it was, because... There are okay. questions people might be interested in. They actually, first of all, the robotic mowers come in all different sizes. So mm. you can get one that will cut up to an acre of ground right. if needs be. The mm. one that I got is a, is a mower called the Gardenia. It's made by Husqvarna and it will cover a thousand square metres. So that's quite a large lawn. I have it working in an area that's about 700 square metres uh, just at the back of my garden. And um, it took me probably an hour to install it. So you put a, you mark the area with a, a wire right. and the mower follows. It stays within that wire and it cuts the actual grass uh, within that specific area. So you can define the area that you want to trim. You can set the mower then to cut. I have a cutting at night time and the mower is silent. So you don't actually hear this thing at all. Um, so I got up early yesterday morning just to have a look at it okay. in action. And, and basically it just, it goes around the, um, the lawn. Uh, it's got small, very, very sharp blades underneath the, the mower itself. Okay. Um, and they, most lawnmowers actually break the grass. They don't cut it. So if you have your traditional petrol mower, it generally the way the mode of operation is that it's moving so fast it actually breaks the grass. Whereas with the with the robotic mowers, they're very very sharp blades. So it's like little scissors. Well, it's very like a Stanley knife. That kind of sharpness of, of a blade. There's three blades on the mower that I have, and literally it just spins around and it physically cuts the grass and it drops the grass. It's only cutting maybe a millimeter 
of grass and it drops it back onto the soil. Right. And within 24 hours, that decomposes and goes back into your lawn. So it's like, because I do know there was a, a range, and I'm sure there's still available, a range of, um, I suppose, the traditional mowers. And, uh, mulching you know, mowers. Mulching ones, yeah. where the, the grass would literally be sent back to the ground. Yeah, but the problem with the, with the mulching mowers, and I have one myself, mm. but you, you need really to be cutting your lawn at least twice a week or three times a week. Right. With the robotic mower, the one, I, the one I have is actually cutting it and we're just going to send it out every second day. Right, so it's, on per, it's almost being permanently cut. It's being permanently cut. As the grass grows, you're literally trimming. Now, look at I'm just trying it okay, out. Okay, yeah, no, I so said yeah, to no. listeners... Well, we're just curious. People, yeah. yeah, and I'm curious myself to see how effective they are. The reports, certainly, from anybody that has got one uh, or that I've listened to, it, it's not so much the time you save, it's the quality of lawn that it actually produces because it's constantly cutting the lawn. So it's like constantly cutting your hair. Whatever it gets about thicker. the time-saving thing, I think I could see it being uh, very useful maybe for people who are moving on in years and where uh, the maintenance of lawns can be a bit of a, bit of a pain, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Well, certainly for, for situations like that, it, they're also very suitable for slopes, banks, for difficult areas to right. cut because they'll literally go vertical. They'll go with kind of a 35-degree or 40-degree yeah. uh, vertical, which is quite steep Um, but I think what I'm going to actually see from it the benefit I think I'm going to get from it is more the quality of lawn because it's physically what it will do is it will reduce the coarse grasses so we often get questions from listeners about meadow grass and scutch grass coming into lawns if they're cut on a regular basis you will actually suppress them but also you'll find that a lot of the weeds will die as well because the regular trimming will stop the weeds from going so and that's generally the evidence from uh, from from, list, from people and the customers that I've actually spoken to yeah. have, who have them for a number of years, they're finding the quality of lawn is exceptional. Oh. So we'll it's a it. wait and see. We'll try this. I'm, I'm, I'm dying yeah. to hear about the results. It's literally working yeah. away. I'll take me, I might do a little video on it actually during the yeah. week and stick it up Our on my Facebook. Yeah, a few photographs to see before yeah. and after and how it's, how it's yeah. panning out. Yeah, but it, it works away. It's silent um, and literally it just literally takes a millimetre of, of or, um, you know, a small piece of the grass that falls back onto yeah. the soil. It decomposes and works back into the soil again. And I suppose the other, now you mightn't have an answer for, on this, but the other thing people will wonder about in terms of, is costs. They're, they're similar price. The one I have is probably under 2000 It's about 1800 okay. I think. Um, it, they're kind of, what they're going to basically replace is the, the right on. That's really the market that yeah. these are designed for, for, for people that have large areas to cut that don't want to be going out with a, a heavy tractor lawnmower mm. going out cutting their grass. Uh, they want to keep the lawn maintained really well. I think that's where the, the market is going to suit. For if you've got a large area of lawn yeah. that needs to maintain, I think that's where they're going to to work really well. Okay, and and, and which the, I have at the back. Well, seven hundred yeah. square meters is is a quite. You know, it takes me probably an hour normally to cut, to cut it. it. So this will this will eliminate that. But it, I'm more interested in the quality of lawn. It's actually going to give me. Will it really produce? A, a, that's what I'm expecting. That the, it'll encourage finer grasses. It'll be more like a golf course type. Um, effect mm. is what you're going to get from that so regular physical mowing of the grass. Okay. And the fact that it happens at night time is great. It's great. <laughs> yeah, well I wouldn't mind. Are I, mean, you I don't mind when it happens yeah. as long as it happens and yeah. I think a lot of people uh, might be in a similar position. And, know, it, and it's funny because it actually cuts in a very erratic and uh, there's no logic to the way it cuts. It actually, it doesn't go in straight lines. Okay, so you mark out the square, or the rectangle or whatever it is for it and you say to it, off, off you go there. And it works within that and, and, it, and it maps the area and the computer that's in it actually, it actually cut. it never cuts in the same pattern 
which is interesting because most of us cut our lawns the same way. We go up left, right, left, right, yeah, left, like, right. And we, we do we that like every day. If we can see them, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. the problem with that is actually the grow the grass actually actually grows it, in that too, way. Right. It's so a, you have two different two different ways of of the grass growing. Right? Yeah, it's it's always advisable to cut your grass anyway with a normal mower in different directions. Because the grass tends to grow. If you're constantly cutting it in one way, mm. it tends to grow in that way. Yeah. Whereas this, this, the robotic mower, actually, there's no random, there's no logic to it. Yeah. <laughs> it goes off in this direction, that direction. And okay, so don't Maybe be... it's a toy for boys thing, but well, I, I don't know. know. I'm very interested but anyway, in that toy. Well, uh, so that's the reason I said I get one, I'll try it out, I'll, I'll give you my honest opinion on it over the next couple of weeks. It probably will need a month for it to really show um, the benefits. Um, but certainly... I'm impressed at the moment with them. And I was impressed with the ease of which you actually, it's the setup. I mean, you know, I wouldn't see myself as a great does DIY it person. Come out of the box and well, it, it does need a certain amount of installation in terms of putting down the wire where, where it's okay, to go we'll and, it, yeah. and setting it up. And you do need a plug point to be able to plug it so into. So char- it's, char- it's on a charger. It's on a charger. Yeah, I should have mentioned that. It actually, it's on a charger, very similar to your battery. It's a liter- lithium battery like okay. your phone. Well, yeah. um, so the unit goes out and cuts for an hour and then it returns to its housing, recharges and goes back out again and... It knows itself. That's when, what, I, I mean, it. you don't have to physically pick it up yeah. and charge it. It yeah. literally goes back into its unit, recharges, and goes back out again. So look at it. it's. We 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 we'll give it a go. I'm very we'll interested. See. I'll see. Yeah, when my, will see. Will actually. my more become redundant? Yeah, I'd say a lot <laughs> of people are, will be dying to hear about it. Anyway, yes. we'll keep t- tabs I'll on that. I'll keep you posted on okay, that. So, so that, the robotic mower. Yeah, the robotic. And mower, do we know so. just finally uh, maintenance? What kind of maintenance? Is <clears> the only the, the only maintenance is really the changing of the blades, and and the pack that I got has nine additional blades that came with it. And they're, they're, it's literally a screw. It's two minutes, two minute job to replace the blade. Um, and the only other maintenance is during the winter time, they say to clean it, to take it in for the winter. But you don't have to be ringing it off for servicing. N- no, you don't. No, 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 no. There's no servicing. It's like your mobile phone. It literally, okay. it's, it's battery operated. Um, I mean, if, if something happens to it, if it hits, say you have a ball. If it hits mid- a stone. Yeah, or if it hits a stone or if it hits, well, the, what will happen is if a blade gets damaged, it's <clears throat> very simple to replace. I mean, right. it truly is. You just flip it over. It's one screw. The blade comes off and you put it back on yeah. again. Two minute job. <clears throat> if it hits a ball, if there's an, an obstacle in the centre of the lawn, say a trampoline or a ball, yeah. it'll just bump up against it very gently okay. and then it'll move it knows, it, it knows will sense that it's there. there and it'll work, it'll cut the grass completely around it okay. and just leave the ball. leave a bit of space for the... It'll leave the ball or it'll leave whatever the so, unit is. You can come back to that bit another day. Exactly, yeah, or just move the ball and the okay. next time it'll just run over the okay. area. It's so it's interesting. It's it really is a wonderful <laughs> example of artificial intelligence. It sure in is. A, and what sounds to me anyway like a positive way. Yeah, and Husqvarna have been saying to me that they're... Um, that it's, it's actually replacing, and in Europe it has replaced the tractor lawnmower. That's effectively what they're saying, that the, the sales and tractor lawnmowers have died or are dying and that there, there are people are more going for these it's robotic like mowers. Okay. So anyway, that's, right. that's, um, that's my that, good news story. Okay, well, we'll keep tabs on that and we'll, we'll keep people updated yeah. on how that's progressing. Okay, Porek, uh, slugs and hostas. For, ah, the poor old slug. Yeah, for, first on the list. So Bernie has a problem. <clears throat> slugs are eating her hosta plants. Please help. Well, I love hostas and it is a killer if you have slug activity. They're prime, yeah, mm, and, and the they eating. Do, yeah. They do and, and, and they absolutely love them. And this year in particular, we're going to see lots of slugs and snails simply because of the wet spring. There's going to be lots of them knocking about. Look at the, you can use the, um, you can either use the traditional slug pellet, which is, uh, it has a, a, a pesticide mm-hmm. in it, um, or you can use 
obviously organic based which are very good there's one organic one made by Neerdorf which looks like a blue pellet it is a blue pellet but it doesn't have any pesticide in it it actually has iron uh, and potassium in the actual um, pellet itself once the slug eats it he basically burrows into the soil and dies away. So just repeated uses of the of the Neerdorf um, organic treatment. Copper uh, the, slugs yeah. don't, won't cross copper. So, so copper tape, of, copper wire, wire the, anything like that will, will dissuade them because they get a, physically an electric shock. And the copper wire is very effective, particularly in pots and containers. You can actually buy a copper tape. It's like cello tape. Mm. And it just you put it around the rim, rim of the pot, it sticks to the pot, and the slug won't cross it. It won't physically cross the actual copper. Um, so that, that can be used. But really, you're looking at... at um, you know the pellet pellets is is and the organic pellet in particular. It actually has an organic symbol on it. It's um, registered with the organic uh, society. Um, so that's one made by Neerdorf. We do find it effective. And the thing with pellets is it's little and often. That's the way. It's not a big heap of pellets, and and walk away. It's it's small amount every week or ten days, and particularly at this time of year. Once the hostas start to grow, it's really when they're young and the buds are coming through the ground, that's when hosta, and they, they often attack them beneath the soil. So as the leaves start to unfold, the holes get bigger, no. but the damage has already I'm occurred. Done. Yeah, so it's, it, the trick with hostas is to keep, keep on top of them as early as possible. But look at, and slugs are going to be a problem on bedding plants, vegetable plants, hostas, perennial plants this year, just down to the very wet with spring, autumn, oh, spring, they've been breeding and there's, you know, there's lots of activity around. They are nocturnal, they come out at night time, so... Um, you know, salt. We'll put some salt in them as well. <laughs> we'll, we'll dehydrate we'll, them. We'll kill them off, yeah, as well. It's caustic and it burns them. But um, look at regular pellets, a small amount on a regular basis. That's really the trick and starting early, as early as possible. Now, I remember picking tomatoes with my dad in his glass house and putting the sprinkle of salt on the fruit before eating them. I'd mm. love to try to grow a few tomatoes myself. It's a lovely memory. Isn't it? Uh, would have a sunny patio, <clears throat> which is very sheltered, but a sun trap. How do I go about this? I think my dad used the plastic grow bags. Okay, and you can nearly mm. visualise that, yes, can't you? A bit of salt. So the grow bags, you can use the grow bags, but I, I find the tomatoes do better in pots, in, in large pots of, of compost. And through the compost, add some slow-release fertiliser, like the Osmo Pro 6 or any of the uh, slow-release feeds. Um, tomatoes will grow in a sunny location. Ideally, a, a patio, conservatory, warm windowsill, tunnel or greenhouse is the ideal location for them. But if you have a sun trap, uh, a south-facing area which catches the sun, it's well worth giving the tomatoes a go. The variety, if you're a newbie, I would recommend the Red Profusion. We've talked about it before. Mm -hmm. It's a very easy variety to grow. It is very well in pots and containers. Um, there's no clipping out of side shoots or having to take off any leaves with it. You simply plant it, feed it and water it and it'll give you buckets of fruit. And they are produced in profusion, as the name suggests. Nice red tomatoes. Um, other varieties, if you want to kind of an old traditional variety that would maybe go back to the, 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 the memory that she has. Yes. Um, varieties like Shirley, Alicante and Moneymaker are all old traditional varieties of tomato that produce the full-size red tomato that, that we're accustomed to. And they're taller plants. They'll grow maybe six feet, five to six feet in height. So you need a little bit of staking with them. And they do need to be, the side shoots have to be taken out on those. There are, there's a little bit more work to them. Nice cherry variety is one called Sweet 100, mm -hmm. um, which again produces buckets of fruit. Um, 
or, or another really nice one is one called Sweet Aperitif. But this is the time of year anyway. My advice is to get them in your local garden centre, pot them up into po- some pots, put them on your windowsill first of all, just to bring them on for another two or three weeks and then plant them out of doors on the first week of June. So maybe the June bank holiday, put them into that sunny location. But if you want something easy, red profusion is the one to grow. <clears throat> it's very, very simple. Three plants in a large pot, water it, feed it, you get buckets of fruit all summer. Okay, and they're the ones we kind of <clears throat> remember, uh, the more traditional varieties. The red pro- well, the red profusion mm-hmm. produces not not huge tomatoes. They're bigger than cherry. Right. They're about golf ball size, maybe a bit smaller than golf ball size. That's ping pong all size yes. maybe yeah. <laughs> that sort of size but literally in profusion and what I like about red profusion is that it's it's such an easy variety to grow you have none of this side taking out side shoots or having to do anything with it okay. you literally just water it feed it and let it fruit now JJ lives in Belmullet on the seafront I'd like to put a laurel hedge in <clears> privacy <throat> would this withstand the elements well good for JJ can you imagine today to today in Belmullet oh heaven um Okay, in Belmullet, what we have is the challenge of the salt air and we've got the wind and Laurel dislikes both. So not a good choice. Unless you've got a sheltered garden in Belmullet or a sheltered wall or something that you can grow the Laurel in front of, it won't tolerate high winds and it won't tolerate salt. It'll get burnt and damaged and look miserable. My advice really in coastal areas is to go for the uh, hedge called Silver Edge or Iliagnus abengii, which Mm -hmm. has got bright silver leaves, evergreen, extremely hardy. It's the best hedge. You'll see actually great examples of it in Belmullet and Ackill and Mulrani and coastal areas. Great plant in Westport as well. Or great plant for elevated sites. So it tolerates salt in the air. It tolerates wind in the air and it gives you a hedge up to six or seven feet. Whatever height you let it grow from three feet up to seven, eight feet if you want. Um, but it's the, it's the hedge that will tolerate the wind, the frost and mm. the salt air and it's it's the best seaside hedge to be honest in my opinion um, so forget the laurel maybe on this one go for Iliagnus abengii you'll be super happy with it it'll grow very effectively for you it's relatively easy to trim and it does give you a full impenetrable wall of foliage in, in coastal areas and inside that then you can grow more decorative plants so could you put laurel inside you could if you want it once it has established itself you could plant the laurel on the inside but that that kind of defeats, I suppose. Well, I, I presume yes, JJ I wants a hedge, hedge yeah. but I, but you could grow more, you know, things like hydrangeas and bodleias and other f- fabulous that, flowering shrubs yeah. inside that. So you're using the Iliagnus, the Silver Edge, really as a wall of defence against the salt mm-hmm. and the wind, and it's creating that microclimate in a seaside area where you can grow more tender plants. Um, so it's probably the best okay. if you want something evergreen. Evergreen. Yeah. Okay. Now we'll stay with laurels for a second, Pork. Laurel hedge planted from slips last year. It's doing well, except for so, a few failures. Um, okay. Well, I suppose that's to be expected. Yeah, yeah. Um, can I plant in some more slips now, or should I wait until September? Asks Carmel. Okay. Well, first of all, Carmel should trim back the hedge, the the slips already. Make make sure that if you haven't trim the tops of them, do that and trim the sides very lightly. Just take an inch or two off them and feed them because you'll encourage a fuller, bushier plant. Mm-hmm. They, it's, it's too late in the year for taking cuttings or slips as Carmel describes them because by the time you stick them into the ground, they'll actually have dried up and died. So if you want to propagate them yourself, then leave it until the autumn. Mm-hmm. September, October is the right time. They've got the full winter then to 
to reshoot and, and um, you know, and, and produce a nice root structure before we get into the spring of next year. Alternatively, Carmel could get herself some young plants, just get a couple of, you know, potted young laurel plants and fill in the gaps now and at least everything will be growing together. But I would definitely trim back, just tidy back the, the new slips, give them a feed as well, make sure there's no grass and weeds around the base of them and that'll encourage a nice bushy full laurel hedge right from the base all the way up. And in midsummer, maybe July and early August, give them a light tipping back. I mean, I'm only talking maybe two inches of the top of the shoots and that really encourages plenty of side shoots and, and uh, a fuller plant. Great. Now, I have a large empty clay pot in the garden. I'd love to grow something for the kids to eat. What would you suggest? Okay, well, if it's a large pot, there's numerous things that you could put into it. Um, if it's a clay pot, then it's, it's probably the terracotta container or a glazed pot. So, first of all, put in a good quality compost, put in a, a slow-release fertiliser to that. I would consider a family apple tree would be lovely. They're in flower at the moment. And if you plant one now, you'll actually get fruit this year. You can underplant that with strawberries. And again, they're just beginning to flower. And again, they will fruit this year. Blueberries do really well in pots and containers. You do need an ericaceous compost for blueberries, but they're super happy in um, tubs and containers. Mm-hmm. You could also grow, you know, some of the bush fruits, even blackcurrants, uh, will do very well in, in pots and tubs. Dwarf plum trees, dwarf cherry trees, they're available as dwarf plants as well. So they could go in if you want just something a little bit unusual and different. Mm-hmm. But for me, the, the family apple tree, because you've got two different varieties of apple on the one tree, two eating varieties. So the kids will get a red apple and a green apple and underplant that with strawberries and you get a, that'll be fabulous in the container. Mm-hmm. And they will fruit, fruit this year if you plant them, if you plant them now. They're in flower literally at the moment. The bees are doing their business, pollinating the flowers. There will be fruit on the family apple tree this year. Now, is it okay to plant summer bedding this week as the plants are outgrowing their pots? Well, it's very cold and and I was out during the week um, and the hail and the wind and the misery. I would, if I would, advise really to hold off if you can and um, keep them indoors for another week or 10 days. It's mm. very, very cold at the moment. Even when the sunshine is out there's a very cool chill in the yeah, wind. We're not there at so all yet, yeah. I would, you know, fine if they're baskets and containers because you can kind of tuck them into a nice you know, sheltered southerly area and, and as you did, cover them with a bit mm. of fleece if you need to. But when bedding plants go out into the garden soil, if they get cold conditions, it sets them back. Yeah. So my advice really is to hold on to them for another week or two and then plant them out. Now, if you want the things like sweet peas and English marigolds, there are a range of bedding plants that are hardy annuals that don't suffer from the frost and the cold chills. But, you know, still, I think you're better to hold off for another week. There's still plenty of time to plant um, summer bedding into the garden. Yeah. And particularly in the west of Ireland, we get so much wind and so much cold temperatures just at the moment. It's better to be safe than sorry. I yeah. suppose when they're in pots and people are looking at right, them, the they're, they're, fed mad, up. Yeah. they're mad to get them out yeah. into the garden. Yeah, and a day like today, yeah. you see, you're yeah. tempted to put them out. Yeah. Um, you know, so the hardy annuals, certainly, if you want, if you're, if they're, you if you need to get them out, you could certainly plant those. So those are, are the varieties like English marigolds, anthraniums, and um, white alisum. They're perfectly safe to plant out of doors. The half-hardy annuals like basilisks, begonias, geraniums, French marigolds, they will suffer if you put them out. It's as simple as that. Now, what grows best in a polytunnel at this time of year? Everything. (laughs) Where do you want me to start? Ah, yeah, this is the time of year to get your... If you've got a polytunnel, look at you can plant tomatoes, cucumbers, melons. All the plants are available in in your local garden centre at the moment. All the salad crops are available. You can grow cabbage, you can grow strawberries, you can put in your hanging baskets, you can put in kitchen herbs. Literally, anything that, that will grow... 
uh, in a tunnel or anything that you want, you know, as an edible plant or flowering, you can plant this time of year. So if you want to get an early start in your hanging baskets, for example, or your window boxes or your patio tubs, plant them up now, put them into your window box, and, and I'll show you how to do it in Galway later on today, but stick them in the tunnel. That's the place for them. It'll bring them on you know, so quickly and, and, and uh, you know, you're, you'll gain at least a month in having them in the tunnel. And I would leave them in the tunnel till early June and then put them outside. But any of the edibles, Deirdre, I mean, look, you know, everything we've been yeah, talking about for the last couple, couple of weeks, weeks, get it into the, the tunnel is a great environment. It just takes that chill out of the wind and it keeps the rain and misery off plants and they just respond to it yeah. so well. I mean, you can imagine the temperatures today inside a tunnel, even yeah. now, yeah. they'll be up at 15 or 18 degrees. You know, whereas outside it's probably only, you know, nine or ten. Now, we have a newly built, raised flower bed in a very shady part of our garden. Okay. Approximately six metres by one and a half metres. Okay. Could you recommend a few plants to give long-lasting colour, if possible, that would flourish without ever getting much or any sunshine? Okay, right. So, so limit, shade, limit, so shade, shade loving thing. plants. Yeah. Um, okay, things that spring to mind for six by 1.5. So it's roughly, roughly about nine to ten square metres. You're going to need about 20, 25 plants to, to fill that. So I would plant them in groups of threes to get that nice clustered effect. And things that do well in shade are plants like astilbes, which are just coming in. These are perennial plants that come back year after year. So the astilbes do really well. They come in a whole range of different colours, reds, whites, pinks, short varieties like uh, astilbes sprite, which is a lovely bronze foliage plant with um, candy floss pink flowers, a really nice plant. Uh, so the astilbe family, there and lots of different colours in those ferns. There's a whole range of ferns, both evergreen and deciduous varieties that absolutely love the shade. And if you might remember the garden I featured from Bloom last year, it was called the Urban Retreat, yes. designed by Alan Rudden. He used a lot of ferns with white alliums and they were absolutely beautiful, the contrast to the two colours. So again, ferns come in a whole range of different colours, but then again, cluster planting, put them in, in groups of threes or fives. Hostas that we mentioned at the top of the programme, there's a lovely variety called Hosta Patriot, which has green leaf in the centre, bright white leaf on the outer edge, very, very bright variety. It's lovely for brightening up an area, but there's loads of different varieties of hostas with yellow leaves, blue leaves, green leaves, variegated leaves and so on. And they absolutely love the shade. Another nice little plant is called Dicentra, the bleeding heart, which has heart-shaped flowers. Mm. Yeah, and it flowers every year. Very reliable plant in shade. It comes in white and in pink. It only grows in height about a foot and a half. So it gives you nice height, but flowers every year. Some of the heucheras, which are grown for foliage colour, leaf colour, so there's one called Black Pudding or um, Crystal Palace. There's loads of different varieties of heucheras. So heucheras have leaves as big as your hand. They're short. The plant itself only grows about a foot, maybe 15 so inches. So that's a good cover. It's great ground cover. So it'll grow nearly, nearly two feet in diameter. Um, holds its foliage 12 months of the year. Looks brilliant planted in groups of threes or fives. You can underplant it with bulbs as well. Um, so heucheras for me, are, they give great value because you literally have the foliage colour 12 months of the year. And they come in orange leaf varieties, yellow leaf varieties, purple leaf varieties, green leaf varieties and so on. They do produce a flower, but it's mainly for the foliage that heucheras are grown for. But a lovely plant. Something a bit taller, you could grow for the spotted laurel, the acuba, if you want a bit of height. In the, in the bed and that keeps its leaf it flowers it buries mm-hmm. the berries are actually still on I've planted them in my own garden the berries are still on them since last autumn the birds dislike them for some reason and another plant that I find brilliant in shade is a plant called Fatsia spider's web so it's the castor oil plant it's the variegated version so again a bit like the hosta patriot it's got very bright leaves they're, yeah, they're white and green 
Um, hence the name spider's web. It's got kind of that spidery bright whiteness through the leaf, but a brilliant plant in shade. Um, so any of those, Japanese maple, if you want a kind of a little specimen Span, plant yeah. tree, Japanese maple will tolerate dapple shade. You know, they're quite good in shade. So the astilbes, the ferns, the hostas, the dicentra, the bleeding heart, the heucras are brilliant, the spotted laurel, fatsia spider's web, and oh, Japanese maples. Spider. Heliborus, the, the Christmas rose, rose for a bit of winter colour. So look at this, this. Pop into your local garden centre, ask them about shade, plants for shade or shade-loving plants and anything from that list. If you want to add a bit of splash of colour then, uh, say from a few bedding plants, mm-hmm. particularly while you're waiting for the plants to fill in, you'll find begonias and bisalizzies, the two best bedding plants for shade. They do super. So begonia non-stop or any of the begonia varieties and bisalizzies. And they're great ground-covering plants as well. So they'll, they'll give you a nice punch of colour and they come in oranges and reds. And now it's a bit early for planting them Yes. So, yeah, I listen, need so to listen to my own advice. Yeah. <laughs> so, June for the bed. But you could put in all the shrubs that I mentioned and then about in the first week or second week of June, put in some of the begonias and bisalizzies and they will flower right through to November of this year yeah. for you. And will they come back then next year? They will if you, if, you, if you lift the tubers of begonias. Yeah. You need to save them. You need to bring them inside and save them. But if, even if you didn't bother saving them, and just the value you get from begonias is just yeah, incredible. They're, they're I mean, you get six months of colour. You're often waiting for them to die in, in the winter <laughs> because they just seem to last and last and last. We often plant the beds in, in the garden centre with them right. because they're, you get so much value from them. I mean, literally November, you're waiting for the... For them to Would you ever die? Move on. Yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly. so you've huge amount of options. There's plenty there. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Plenty so, of stuff so for best, shade. Best of luck. Yeah, about that. 20, 25 plants, I think, to fill that area. Groups, clusters of threes, I think, would look work really well. Maybe an odd specimen plant like the Japanese maple would work well as well. Quite a few questions on the uh, robotic lawnmower. All right, okay. So, uh, and some very interesting ones as well. All right. So, what we're going to do is because we're in test mode at the moment. Yes, yes, we I will am. let you test. Now you're under pressure for the week, so you're going to have to test it and not just be talking about it. Um, we will test oh, it's it. up and running. Yeah. You needn't worry. Okay. It's up and so running. We, uh, you are in charge of testing for the week and we are going to hold on to those questions. And I we report. Might, and we'll do a little bit of a rundown and a review uh, next Saturday. Yeah, I know. That's, that's, yeah, and I'll, yeah. I'll do a little video of it, of the unit mm-hmm. running. And I, I, I'll, know for, I'll know better now within because it'll be 10 days the more be running. running. So I'll actually get a good sense myself of, of how of, it's doing, okay. how it's performing. How it's performing. Yeah, yes. and am I going to keep it or not? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you abreast, so folks, of, of that. Um, now, quite a few questions because I suppose they are visually very prevalent at the moment, wondering about the daisies and the dandelions that are... The fantastic daisies and dandelions. Taking over some lawns, I imagine, at the moment. Well, they, look, there is a lot of, and we get this every year, you know, what? how do I control weeds in, in the lawn? Um, and remember that a lot of our uh, honeybees in particular visit the dandelion in particular mm. this time of year and the daisies and all the wildflowers. So they're out there taking the pollen and nectar from from um, from garden weeds as well as everything else. So there, there's a purpose to the weeds, I suppose. But if you if you need to treat them, and I suppose that's what the listener is asking. Um, the way to treat uh, all broadleaf weeds in lawns is to use one of the selective weed killers specifically for that purpose. So you have things like Dicofar or um, any of the Verdun lawn weed killers. So make sure it just states on the pack that it's a, a lawn weed killer. It works by eliminating broadleaf weeds and not damaging the grasses. Now, my advice is not to mow the lawn for at least a week 
allow the weeds to come forward and then treat them. And ideally, if you can, treat them after flowering. So allow the dandelions and daisies to finish flowering and then treat them. I always find if you mix a small bit of washing up liquid into the mix, it sticks onto the leaf better and you get a better kill. And the after application, you're better to leave the lawn for about three days before you mow it. Now... So that's that's the way. The other, I, I'd just be interesting to see with regular mowing now what effect the the, the uh, regular trim is going to actually have on the weeds and will they die out? That's what I'm expecting. Right. Things like dandelions and daisies won't live in a lawn that's regularly trimmed and regularly mowed, and and you're keeping them suppressed. They'll actually you'll die because you're taking away the their energy mm. source effectively. But yeah, a dry day to apply any of the. Um, the lawn weed killers, make sure it's calm, that it doesn't blow up on any trees or shrubs because it will affect them. Um, and obviously follow the instructions on the pack. But ideally, spray after the weeds have finished flowering. And they're nearly gone. They're nearly out of flower, right. the dandelions in particular. I suppose now another week. Another week. Now, my garden is quite small. What screen or hedge can I plant to grow about five feet evergreen and something easy to trim? Well, the, one of the hedges, so what you want really is something that's going to be slow growing. And when you're selecting a hedge for your garden, it is important to think about long term, about the maintenance. So there's no point putting in a vigorous hedge that's going to grow and produce a hedge within one or two years, but continually be vigorous in nature. And we all fell into that trap with the Lelandia many years ago. They were a quick solution to a... To a, and, 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 now, became, and now look at where we're at. Well, they've become very problematic where they haven't been regularly trimmed. So mm. I always advise select a hedge depending on the height that you want it to grow to, but also the maintenance that you're prepared to put into it. So always go for something. If you only want a five-foot hedge, go for something that's very, very slow growing. So my advice, is a, there's a lovely hedge called Laura Etna, E-T-N-A. It's very slow growing. It's got small, round, dark green leaves. The young growth is bronze in colour. So it's got this lovely bronze foliage, but it only produces about four to five inches of growth per year. So it does take it a few years to get to the five foot, the desired height. But after that, it's so simple to maintain and to trim. So that's quite a nice hedge. Another one that's actually very attractive at the moment is Berberus darwinii. It's not often sold as a hedging plant. It's sold as a shrub. But Berberus darwinii is um, evergreen, Mm -hmm. dark green leaves. It's got thorns, which... The Gardaí, for example, always recommended as a, as a hedge to plant around perimeters yes. because it's thorny. It, you won't get through it. It's got fantastic orange flowers at the moment. Beautiful plant when it's in flower and very easy to trim. And it's ideal at five feet. So if you want something a little bit different, an unusual type hedge, then Berberstar Winnie is a beautiful hedge. Uh, totally evergreen, glossy green foliage and these bright orange flowers at the moment. And it makes a great hedge up to four, five feet, that sort of height. Trim it once a year. That's all it requires. But either Laura Etna, which again is a lovely plant, and Berberus Darwinii, they're probably two best for something small and neat and compact. Lovely. Boxwood in time would grow to five feet, but but it would take it 15 years. But it would be simple to trim and and maintain. But it would take a long time to, uh, to achieve that. Now, I have wireworm in my potato patch. Okay. It's a small area. Is there anything I can do? Uh, yes, you can. You can use and wireworm. Basically, what happens in potatoes, they, they, they squirrel or they drill into the actual potato tuber and go right through it and leave this brown mark, leaving them unu- uh, unusable. So um, to control it, you can use the nematodes, which you'll find very effective. They're available at the moment. This is the time of year to put them into the soil. So even if the crop is in the ground, you can still use the nematodes for the wireworm mm-hmm. or you can use them before planting. 
um, but most people will have planted their, their spuds at this stage. So you simply get the container of nematodes, mix it up in a watering can of water and apply it over the area and they'll control any wireworm, leather jackets, um, any soil-borne pests they'll control, but very effective on wireworm. Even if they're there, you know, in, in the instance where there's a bit of damage already, will that kind of halt it now in its tracks? Well, the, the potato tubers, the wireworm is in the soil. Mm. Potato tubers have only gone in okay. and, and been planted. So, so, it, was, so it should be okay. It's perfect. Oh no, now is actually a perfect time to do it because the wireworm attacked the new tubers in particular and they haven't formed yet. So get the nematodes on now in the next week or 10 days. They'll start working straight away. They're, they're basically parasitic. Mm. They attack the wireworm right. and kill it off and they actually self-populate in the ground and, and continue to control until you've got, everything is, is killed off. Now, I want to change my box ball into a bigger pot. What should I do? I have homemade compost. Oh, great. Yeah, well, that's well that's you. fantastic. So, <clears throat> boxwood um, this time of year is ideal for transplanting it. So, take it out of the container, shake off any excess compost that's there, mix your own homemade compost with some traditional potting compost, about a 50-50 mix. Put in some slow-release fertiliser into that. Make sure that the drainage hole, there's a drainage hole in the in the container, put maybe a stone or some gravel over that. Fill up the pot with compost and put in your the box ball. Now, a good idea to trim it back at this time of year. <clears throat> and I would say to listeners to keep an eye out for the white aphid, which tends to come on the new growth of boxwood. So boxwood is that lovely small, it's often trimmed as a, as a ball or a cone, uh, for topiary or as a small hedge but at this time in May it's often attacked by a white aphid and it, it's very distinctive the, the plant becomes sticky and on the young shoots you'll actually see the white aphids and use something like bug clear just to control that and if you have boxwood in the garden I would actually spray it anyway because it always just gets it as a preventative <clears throat> just as a preventative so um, so yeah great time to repot use your own traditional compost mix with 50-50 uh, garden centre compost, bit of slow release fertiliser, and it's good to go and give it a light trimming back as well. Now, I, apologies if I pronounce this incorrectly. Mm. Can Peonia suffruticosa, yeah. thank yeah, you, great plant. be planted in large tubs? What's Peonia suffruticosa? That's our the peony rose, oh, which right. is in flower in May. Beautiful plant. The flower buds are on at the moment. It'll come out now in the next week or, or 10 days. Um, <clears throat> ideally, it's a plant that likes to be planted and left alone. So it's not a plant that's that likes to be disturbed, dug up and moved, moved. And, and so on. Now, will it grow in pots? Yes, it will, particularly in large tubs. And if it comes to the stage that you have to take it from that pot and put it into the ground, <clears throat> there's very little root disturbance. So they actually do very well in pots. So you can literally plant it up into a big pot, um, feed it, you could give it a little bit of feed now just to encourage it on, a little bit of liquid feed. It's going to come into flower in the next couple of weeks. It'll flower generally for about four weeks maybe five weeks, and then it the, the foliage starts to grow and it dies back then in September. So perfect in a pot. It's a perennial plant, lovely, lovely old cottage garden plant, big rose-like flowers. Uh, your mother will know this plant yeah. because it's a, it's a real old cottage farm. No, they're lovely. I, yeah. I know, I you know, know the plant. Yeah. I know it now. Beautiful. I just beautiful. wasn't recognising it by rose. its Latin name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, they are beautiful. Plants from actually, China, tr- if memory oh. serves me correct. And they have a bit of an oriental look to them. They I do, think. yeah. They, yeah. they have. And the flower is fa- fabulous. It's exactly like a rose, a big, big rose, like an old cottage garden rose. Lovely plant. With no thorns. With no thorns, exactly. And so easy to grow. It's the sort of plant that you plant it, you forget about it. Comes in shades of pink, 
reds and white. Yeah. And it grows, I suppose, in height about two feet, two and a half feet. Lovely, lovely little thing. Now, I set a lot of winter pansies, etc. They're still in flower. Yes, they are. Now, do I get rid of them to set summer plants? No. <laughs> well, <laughs> what I would do, and that's the great thing about winter pansies. Unless, they, unless per ground is at a premium. Yeah, no, leave, leave them alone. I would leave them for at least another month because they will continue to flower for another month, particularly with the temperatures that we're having at the moment. So enjoy them. They're at their best probably now. Give them a liquid feed, even boost them on a small bit. And around the second week of June, in about a month's time, then take them out and put in your your begonias or basilizies or whatever. Because remember that most summer bedding plants flower from June right through to November. I mean, how many months is that? That must be four or five months of colour you're going to get. So don't be rushing in to get the... the, uh, the pansies out, I'd let them flower. They're going to be brilliant through May and the early part of June. And when they start to wane a bit, about the second week of June, then take them out and replant with summer some, some, summer bedding. Okay. Angela is wondering, uh, she's got a miniature dahlia. Can she sow it now? Yeah, no, what I would do is plant it up. It's obviously in a tuber. That she maybe has bought it as a, as a tuber. Um, so it's, it's it planted up into a pot. Have nice moist compost, plant it into the pot, stick it on your windowsill, let it grow there for, again, about three to four weeks. It's too early to put dahlias into the ground yet. And then put it out. So at that stage in mid-June, it'll be about a foot high or, you know, eight to ten yeah. inches high. Flower buds will probably be forming on it and you've given it a, a kickstart. So a nice, bright, sunny windowsill, patio door, somewhere like that. Pot up the tuber, grow it on, keep it watered, give it a nod, liquid feed, and it'll be a blaze of colour then. And dahlias are another great plant for late summer colour. They've again flowered to November, often into December. Okay, and uh, very finally, in kind of 10 seconds, can we cut back daffodils now? Yes, you can. And this is the time of year to, to cut them back. It's six weeks after flowering, so you can start trimming them back and tidying them up now. Remember, I'll be in the Galway store today doing a demo on hanging baskets, yep. window box containers, two, three and four o'clock. And if people want to bring their containers in, we'll have a go at planting some of them up. Okay. Brilliant stuff. Loads covered there. Yeah. Uh, we're back again next Saturday. To we'll do it be... all over. We've actually got a, a, a little feature on Bloom next Saturday. Next Saturday on the programme. We'll be talking yeah. about that because Bloom is on the June Bank holiday. Okay. That and lots more to look forward to. Pouring. Thanks, Thanks very much. Not at all. Uh, that's my lot as well for this morning. Michael Neary coming your way directly after the news at 10. Until next Saturday from me, Deirdre Kelly. Good morning to you.